0: Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bargrave, that's me. Starting a new business is hard, but what's just as hard is keeping it going and growing. My guest today is Penny Sippy. Penny is the founder of Australian Cocktail Month, which if you've been listening to Drinks at Work, you may know as the first sponsor of this podcast. It's happening this May. Go to australiancocktailmonth.com.au to find out more and grab tickets. And as part of that deal, I'll talk to Penny about her career and how she runs Australian Cocktail Month and get a real understanding of what the experiential side of the drinks industry entails. Yes, this is a sponsored episode. No, it's not just an ad. We do get into some interesting topics. That's because Penny Sippy is an interesting woman building career in drinks, and that's what this podcast is all about about. Penny landed at number 10 on bartender magazine's most influential list the last time that was run in 2019 and spent nearly a decade at Bacardi Martini Australia as their go-to person for bringing brands to life in the wider world. It's an interesting episode even if, full disclosure, Penny is a good friend of mine because there is a lot to unpack. We go into what experiential can do, how brands and bartenders can work well together, and a little of what brands do wrong in that space, and the challenges also of starting your own thing, something that as I'm in the same boat, I always find interesting. With that in mind, if you like this podcast and want to share it with the wider world, please do. Give it a rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and that will help others who also might like it to find it. Now, on to my chat with Penny Sippy. Uh, Penny Sippy, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work by Boothby. Nice to have you here.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, we're
0: going to talk a little bit about Australian Cocktail Month in just a moment. Um, that's coming up in May this year. That's great. Yep
1: year number two. Looking forward to it. Very good.
0: I'd like to set the table first. So can you sort of explain what it is you've developed as a career in and around the drinks industry? Uh, You work in the experiential space. Uh, How'd you come to be working there? Yeah,
1: I do. So I kind of came about it in, in, I suppose, quite a long way. I originally studied fashion marketing and merchandising. So quite, quite different to hospitality, but also plenty of similarities. And I worked in that fashion space for quite a while. Ended up traveling to London to work there and worked in uh, Selfridges in a department store over there in their marketing team and worked on a lot of their big events campaigns for the year which I loved and was super exciting. Did two years in London, came back, ended up working at David Jones in their marketing team and then Maya for five years rolling out their brand events and experiential events and lots of fashion events and kind of after five years had 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 enough of that that kind of industry you know you can do fashion shows year after year The the looks change but it's it's very much the the same thing. And I was kind of, kind of a little bit done with that. So finished up there and took a role at Bacardi, which was started out just as a a six month maternity cover. And that turned into nine and a half years at Bacardi, which was amazing. And then during that time, really developed the experiential platforms at Bacardi for for their different brands and changed their sponsorship understanding from sponsoring events and being part of events to creating their own events for the brands.
0: So when we're talking about experiential and these sort of activations and that kind of thing, what does that actually mean? What what is experiential just for anyone who is <laughs> unclear? Because sometimes I can be a little unclear on this myself.
1: It's true. Me too sometimes. <laughs> it it's really about creating immersive experiences that showcase the brand. So whether it be um, showcasing where certain spirits are from or taking consumers into another world that has been created for the brand so that, one, they get to ex- escape their their normal day-to-day life. It showcases all the various aspects for the brand um, and educates people as well. But when consumers or, or bartenders, if you're doing events for trade, they're going to leave with a, an understanding and an experience that they had at that event for that brand. So they, they're going to leave with a strong impression of the brand.
0: Right. But what, I mean, what does that mean? I mean, I've been in these meetings before and it's brand has certain values and everything Do the general public really care about this sort of thing, the values of the brand, or is it just something that they're picking up by osmosis or something?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think sometimes they, they care about the values of the brands or the, the aspects of the brands that are interesting. But I think that the role of experiential is delivering it to consumers in an interesting way. So For instance, um, when I was at Bacardi, we developed a program called Project Botanicals for Bombay Sapphire Gin, and it was really about, it was kind of one of the first cocktail and food pairing programs that was delivered in Australia. And we did that one to show that, you know, cocktails can be paired with food. They're not just for pre or post dinner drinks. And then we also wove in the, the different botanicals in Bombay Sapphire Gin. So there's you know 10 different botanicals so we had 10 different courses that consumers could choose from and the cocktails and the food were based around those different botanicals so through the experience you are educating consumers but it's kind of in a, a fun and engaging way rather than just shoving brand information down right so they
0: shouldn't realize that they're actually getting marketed to at the same time <laughs> <laughs> True, okay. yes. and so what was what was the day-to-day nature of your job at Bacardi what was it you do because I mean the events sort of take place throughout the year, right?
1: So at Bacardi, I was the experiential sponsorship and PR manager, um, and I oversaw all the brands in the portfolio. So it was quite a, a wide variety of work that I did. You know, multitasking was was what what I was good at and got very good at during my time there because there was always a lot of things on the go. So it was not just planning events and executing events but also wrapping up previous exhibitions or executions or events so it was it was very much on the go it was a combination of working with in-house teams so whether they be the brand team or the sales team or or whoever it may be to work out what they wanted to achieve from their marketing campaigns for those particular brands. So often the brand managers would oversee the more traditional above the line advertising. So whether you see that on television or street furniture or that kind of thing. And that's above the um, line,
0: that's the billboards and that sort of stuff, is it? Yeah,
1: so more more kind of traditional advertising. Yeah. I, I either worked with the brand teams to develop concepts that we did in-house or also worked with plenty of amazing suppliers that we kind of brought on board uh, for various different projects.
0: Uh, were there a lot of meetings involved in that kind of time?
1: <laughs> plenty of meetings, plenty of meetings, plenty of follow-up from meetings yeah multitasking was what it was all about and you know plenty of guest lists for for all the events all the guest lists and all the spreadsheets that's
0: for sure that sounds like a sounds like my worst nightmare um <laughs> <laughs> you uh you mentioned you were you had nine and a half years at Bacardi uh left during COVID. uh give us the, the Australian Cocktail Month origin story how did this thing come about why did it come about
1: yeah, sure. So I, as I said, yep, nine and a half years at Bacardi, which was amazing. Um, finished up at late September 2020. Um, unfortunately, it was a COVID redundancy, but, you know, I'm well aware I wasn't the only one that that happened to. Not a lot of um, events happened kind of, during
0: COVID, right? Not a lot of experiential. <laughs> no, that's true. When it's just no, your bedroom is, and isolation. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yes, you can do these things online, but nothing compares to real life. Um, so I was I was very lucky to, to have so long at Bacardi and learn from all the activations and people that I worked with there. But, yeah, made redundant. Wasn't really sure what I wanted to do because I kind of thought it would be weird if I went straight from one supplier to another supplier doing the similar thing really? um but isn't that just called
0: getting a job <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> yeah yeah but I suppose I, I was there for so long and I was do you have um, a Bacardi
0: tattoo <laughs> no I
1: do not I do not there are plenty of people that do but not I'm not one right. of them um so wasn't sure what I wanted to do knew I wanted to stay in the industry Loved the hospitality industry and all aspects of it thought about what I could do that would fulfil me, but also potentially help the industry coming out of COVID. Um, so I spoke to a couple of people about um, my idea for Australian Cocktail Month, both on brand side and, and uh, venue side. Um, might have even mentioned it to you to get your <laughs> feedback along the way. Um, and everyone kind of thought it was a good idea. And I think what, one of the things that was a positive about being Made Redundant you know, you had that little bit of financial buffer to give things a go that I may not have had the guts to do if I had to uh, go straight back into earning a salary. So came up with the concept of Australian Cocktail Month. You know, it was all planned to really support the industry coming out of COVID um, and encourage consumers to get back into the bars, um, and experience drinks in bars. So from kind of concept to rolling out the first year, it was seven months, Mm. um, which was pretty speedy. Year one was a success. And then we pretty much went straight into planning how it can grow and develop for year two. And so
0: regular listeners to the podcast will have heard the ads up, up the top of the episode. (laughs) Uh, but and which sort of describes a little bit about what Australian cocktail month's all about but do you want to give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch for it what is it
1: yeah sure so ultimately it was developed to um, support the industry and champion the Australian cocktail industry and support bars and bartenders as they welcome consumers back into their bars um, following the the closures and restrictions of Originally the last year and then the last two years as COVID continued to roll off.
0: Yeah, the the mission remains the same, right? It does. So the first year you had, was it four cities?
1: Yes. um, Last year we had four cities and um, 72 bars.
0: And so you've expanded it this year. What's the idea behind expanding it?
1: Yeah, so we went from four cities to 12 cities and 72 bars to 145 bars, which was a great Idea at the time. Um, uh, over the last couple of months, I may have regretted that uh, as I've been uh, chasing and securing uh, different aspects of the campaign. But I kind of did that. One, you know, if you're going to call something Australian, you need to be as broad as possible um, across the country. And I kind of wanted to. One, include as many venues and cities as possible um, and also be able to offer it up to as many consumers as possible. I think, you know, yes, we've got amazing bars in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide, but we've also got spectacular bars in Geelong or Newcastle or Hobart or Perth. And it was really surprising how many bars opened up during COVID, Mm. so during the last couple of years. So it's been really exciting to be able to include a lot of them in the listings for this year.
0: Can you sort of describe what are the logistics going into it? What have been the challenges for you? Because it is a national thing now. You do have 144 bars that you have to liaise with. Uh, imagine that presents its its own unique challenges.
1: That is correct. It's actually 145. We added added one more bonus one in. So. Yeah, 145 bars. So liaising with 145 different people to to get their cocktail creations, organize photo shoots, get the recipes, um, it has been a, a big task. Um so yeah, it's nearly 450 drinks that we're working um for across the country. So plenty, I mean the the upside is there's plenty of opportunities and deliciousness. Coming consumers' way during May. Um, but it has been a bit of a, a challenge to get that all together. I think realistically, I probably underestimated the hours that it would take to pull it all together. Um, but I have got um, some people that are working with me to help help manage all that. I think la- last year was a success and I think sometimes it, it potentially is a bit easier to get sponsors involved in inaugural year because potentially there's a bit of goodwill behind it and people are willing to give year one a shot. Um, as COVID continued, I realised that there was you know the need and, and I had the desire to support the industry but when it came to securing brands, it, it was a bit more of a drawn-out process. With Cocktail Month falling in May, I wanted to get as much of it done the year before as possible. But with um, a lot of the brand timelines and financial years, things rolled mm. on. Um, so that, that did delay a bit of brand size. I, I imagine,
0: too, that there's a bit of uh, uncertainty putting on events. Well, when you would have started this process, were you starting during a lockdown?
1: For planning for year two, um, yes, it was kind of like just in between and we were quite lucky with the rollout of last year. There was only three days at the end of the month in in Melbourne specifically that um, was affected by the the second bout of COVID in Australia. So that that was quite good, but there was some there was a little bit of hesitancy from some of the brands as to what would happen with the rollout and if COVID did did rear its head again. So I did to kind of appease the brands, but also set myself up for success. I kind of worked out some. A sliding scale of support that I would be able to offer back to the brands if, uh, you know, a certain percentage of venues were unable to participate because of COVID.
0: So that basically sort of lessens the the risk involved for them?
1: Lessens the risk for the brands, but I think also not just for Cocktail Month, but for a lot of executions from the brand side, you know, from now onwards there is that kind of element of of covid that just is part of the business planning and just part of you know the risk of doing any kind of business and i think for for all these things yes the the actual execution and delivery in venue is important but so much of the value of these kind of promotions and executions is is pre and post so even if covid does interrupt things you still get a lot of that Value or success out of experiential executions. And yeah,
0: change. and so, so what is what is the value in the brands for for you know getting involved with Australian cocktail? Month?
1: Well, I think the value for the brands is kind of twofold. It's it's one supporting the industry, so supporting their customers and supporting the venues, whether they be new venues or um, existing partnerships with the brands, but showing as the venues and the industry as a whole that. These brands support them because you know we know that there's a lot of value for brands being in the the kind of right kind of venues, mm-hmm. and we we take a lot of time to to select the right venues to participate in Cocktail Month. Yeah. Um, so so there's that side, and and also in addition to that side, it's giving brands the opportunity to be in front of the right kind of venues and bartenders. And some of the brands that have come on board have used that as an opportunity to launch new products into the marketplace. And then ultimately they end up with six venues that are going to be showcasing their product for the full month of May. And then in regards to the benefits for brands for the consumer point of view, again, it's that awareness. It's having consumers coming into venues to specifically try their cocktails Mm -hmm. featuring certain brands' products, you know. The whole kind of premise is getting people back into bars, and we know that discounts go a long way to to get people to do that. So these three cocktails at each venue showcase for the month. One showcasing an Australian product, one showcasing an international product, and then mm. one low or no alcoholic option are discounted for ticket holders. And we found that last year when consumers came in, they did try the Cocktail Month specials, but then a lot of the time they went on to try the existing menus or new menus that the brands were showcasing.
0: Say so there are other people out there looking to do something similar and get a big initiative like this off the ground or, you know, host say like a single day event in in and around their bars. What are the kind of skills you need to work in this area that make it worthwhile for the general public to come in, to make it memorable, to make it, I guess, experiential.
1: You need, you need to have a a clear direction as to why you're doing it. And I know that we have had discussions about this um, in the past, but sometimes when I was planning, especially for year one, brands would want to do different things or venues would want to do different things. And I really had to stay focused to what my goal was um, Mm. and how I wanted it To be run. I mean, obviously, I've had plenty of experience on how things run, so I've been able to incorporate all those learnings along the way. But I think what set me up for success in year one and will hopefully continue for year two and onwards is trying to make it as, I mean, it sounds a little bit wanky, but a win-win for everyone so it's like you know a win for the brands they get into venues they get the opportunity to support the trade during this tricky time and they get awareness and you know the old liquid on lips it's it's Mm. a win for venues um because we're driving traffic into their venues they're being supported by the brands with stock so they're not Missing out on on their profit margin for the drinks, and then consumers, it's a win. They get discounted cocktails, which you know is a, a really dr- great driving force to get people to act on something. Mm. Um, and and the biggest benefit consu- for consumers is they get back into venues and get to be hosted by professionals um, and enjoy a, a fantastic experience. You know, you can have a a cocktail at home or. You know, have the have the old Zoom cocktail session and things like that, but nothing compares to a great drink in a great venue being hosted by people that love what they're doing.
0: Um, unlike the food business, say, eh? Like with uh, restaurants and chefs, uh, the drinks industry and the bar industry seem to be really co- closely entwined. Brands like you, you don't you don't have the sponsorship of restaurants so uh, visible by food companies as you do with, say, liquor companies. I mean, this can be good and it can be bad. How do you think brands should best work with bars and bartenders and how do you think bartenders can get the most from brands in a way that's like not uh, just a selling out kind of, you know, show me the money kind of situation
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I understand. I mean show me
0: the money's fine and yeah. I'm, I'm all good with it personally <laughs> just
1: let's I make think, that clear yes I think also venues you know there's that balance because they they need the the money to be able to deliver what they do but you know there needs to be the balance of them having ownership as to what they they deliver as well but I think I think for the brands and this is something that I, I tried to weave into a lot of the things we did at Bacardi when I was there. You know, every brand has their perfect serve for how they would like their spirit to be served. Yeah. But I think the brands that work best with the the on prem are the ones that respectfully hand over that creativity to, to the bartenders, you know, they're they're the professionals, they have the the palette, they have access to, you know, all this amazing new equipment, you know, they have the creative creativity and the experience of serving consumers and, and knowing what they like. So I think if the brands can can hand over and, and let the venues create the best cocktails they can with their spirit, um, that's going to get them set up pretty well in the on-prem. I mean, you know, comparing it to the food industry, imagine if like, you know, farmers were like, well, this is the only way we want you to serve this this produce. <laughs> uh, it'd be pretty boring going to restaurants.
0: So. How do, how do brands go about finding the bars and bartenders to work with?
1: I think it all comes down to relationships um, and I think a lot of the, the brands that do it well um, build those relationships over a long period of time again some of my experiences at Bacardi especially with things where you're developing and mentoring new bartenders and showcasing their talents which is something I really really enjoyed when I was there you Mm. need it needs to be you need to think about the long game you can't you know there was one instance where we had a bartender that won a competition um, and he was a wonderful bartender and then he went on very soon after into another role for another brand. Um, and yeah. some people were quite disappointed with that. And my theory was, well, we're going to have an advocate for that brand for forever. And, yes, they've gone to work for a different spirit now, but who knows what they're going to do next. And if you treat them well, um, they're always going to remember that.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And <laughs> if,
1: if, if you want bartenders to be an exclusive advocate for your brand, then hire them to be a brand ambassador. Otherwise, let them do what they do best.
0: Being made redundant, you did have some sort of runway, some financial runway from that that allowed you to launch Australian Cocktail Month. What do you think it is about these kind of moments of uncertainty in in the world that sort of leads to this new business thing? Why would anyone start something new in a crazy, uncertain time like this?
1: Well, I think... um, the one yes the financial runway is is a great buffer but I think also these times of uncertainty I mean look I love my career at Bacardi um but I everyone was always saying when are you going to do your own thing why aren't you doing your own thing um Mm. you know you can do what you do for all kinds of different brands and I suppose I was I loved what I did. There was always the next great project at Bacardi on the horizon that that was keeping me there. And I suppose there was also like a little bit of fear, like, you know, it was, it was a good role. I was, um, you know, I had great people to work with. I was financially stable and it's like, yeah, do you take that jump to, to, Mm. um, you know, go out on your own? Um, But I think not just redundancy, but COVID as a whole, or or any kind of big, big changes, I suppose, make people think, well, you know, let's just give it a go. Um, Mm. And yeah, I mean, you've, you've done your own thing. There's lots of people I know lately that have done their own thing or had something on the go on the side that is now their main thing. So I think just that uncertainty drives a lot of people to just make the leap and give it a go.
0: Yeah, I think especially with, I mean, with Australian Cocktail Month, it seems to me um, because you have to deal with so many different bars and and bar owners or bartenders. That time at Bacardi, where you talked about building relationships, this that's it's kind of a payoff now, right?
1: Hundred percent. I wouldn't um, have been able to do that um, so successfully for year one, and then growing into year two without the relationships that I've built up over nine and a half years at Bacardi. One one thing that I always did and and still do is when I work with any suppliers, it's it's not like just dictating and telling them what I need done. It's working with them on I mean they're the professionals in in all their different skill sets that they work with. So you want yeah. to um, be able to give them that freedom to get, one, get the best out of them, but make it an enjoyable working relationship. So I think that has kind of set me up in good stead to, to I suppose, be able to benefit from that now.
0: So what does uh, Australian Cocktail Month have in the future? What do you think, what are your plans for this thing? Is this something you want to be going on for, you know, a decade, longer?
1: <laughs> um, let's just get through year two. <laughs> and then, and there were plans, but honestly, for for last year when we were rolling it out, I was always th- already thinking about what we can change for year two, um, one to develop it, but also grow it. Um, and you know, like anything, it, it, events especially, you only get one chance to roll it out. So you want to um, learn from as many past experiences as possible to to deliver the best you can. But. Mm. When I started, I was like, "Yep, yeah, let's just give it one year and see how it goes." But uh, as soon as we wrapped up year one, I was like, "I want to give it at least three years to really cement itself in." In I suppose the the calendar of Australian events that May yeah. is the year, uh, the month. Sorry, that you get out and support <laughs> hospitality. We're not making it a whole year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you get, get out, uh, support hospitality, and get back into the bars and and really showcase bars and bartenders and their creativity you know there's been a, a big movement over the last you know 10 years or so really showcasing chefs and and what they can do so I really want to see how much we can push that for bartenders
0: um so this yeah is what I think is great about it because it's it's something with Boothby that I've been trying to do is well it's just put bartenders at the forefront because for so long it's always been about you know either the bar but like I mean, chefs have had this for ages
1: yeah yeah and and Again, at my time at Bacardi, you know, the competitions and things that we ran for for the industry, they were the one of the things I really loved to find uh, bartenders and hospital workers that are really passionate about what they want to do and shining a a spotlight on them and and letting people know, you know, of their great talent but also how they got there and what their inspirations are and and what they want to do next. So... That, that's kind of the goal for, for Cocktail Month um, and uh, continue to grow it and develop it. We will not be expanding at the rate we did uh, for Year 2 in Year 3. I can definitely tell you that right now. No. Um, but I think there's plenty of opportunities to develop it further. Um, year 1 was all about the discounts and the great cocktails in venue um, and then Year 2 We've really tried to layer on um, an event aspect of it. So as many events in venue during the month as possible. So a lot of those are still being finalised at the moment, um, but they'll be shared really shortly. And and everything from, you know, um, distillers doing tasting events in venue um, to whether it be, yeah, cocktail and and canapé pairings or whatever the brands want to do, but the, the whole premise of it is again getting people into venues so everything will be in venue during the month which is exciting
0: why did you choose the month of may in particular how when you're going about you know putting on events like this and uh you know say launching new products or whatever it is yeah How finding the right spot on the calendar i find is probably a difficult thing
1: yeah so i think i really when i was thinking about it i went back to my days at um selfridges in london and when some of the campaigns i worked on over there were always we did them during that april may period which was always kind of like the downtime for retail um it's kind of like that change of seasons Um, so i had that in mind when i was thinking about a time i also obviously worked around what was already existing in the the events calendar um and then you know, I know that there's plenty of cocktail days throughout the whole year, you know. Pick a <laughs> like day World
0: margarita day. Yeah,
1: pick a day and there's always a cocktail um you can link to it. But yeah. during May there was there was quite a few. So there's um International Whiskey Day, Paloma Day.
0: You know, you can just make them up. Right? I know. You can, maybe what, you, can, you can make a you know, an international cocktail day for every day of May if you like. <laughs> Okay.
1: That's, that can be on my goal list for next
0: year. If you say it's true, then people will write about it. Yeah, I'll you know? put it on
1: the website. It will be official. <laughs> so, th- so that was kind of the, the premise around picking May. Um, also, um, when, when I did pick May, um, last year there was quite a few things that ended up happening in May. There was um, a lot of government support for certain cities, specifically Sydney, um, which... At times it was a little bit challenging because there was a lot happening in the marketplace, but overall I kind of just went with it and and my theory was, well, the more people out and about enjoying the venues and the nightlife in, in our cities, the better. That's what it's all yeah. about. So we just went with it.
0: Fantastic. All right, well, thank you, Penny Sippy, for talking to me on Drinks at Work. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Sam. Thanks again to Penny Sippy for joining me. And thank you to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please, if you've got any feedback or if there is someone you'd like to hear from on the podcast, my email is sam at boothby.com.au and I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, this has been Drinks at Work by Boothby.